The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Thursday, December 1st, 2022. Coming up this hour... Jay Powell moves markets as he signals the pace of rate hikes will slow. More signs China is softening its stance on COVID restrictions. Sam Bankman-Fried speaks out about the collapse of FTX. And a standoff between Elon Musk and Tim Cook appears to ease. New York subway riders may see fares go up next year. Plus, a House committee now has President Trump's tax returns. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stashauer at Sports. Another home loss for the Knicks, beaten by the Bucks. The Nets beat the Wizards. The Rangers won in Ottawa. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Good Thursday morning. I'm Amy Morris. I'm Nathan Hager. Futures are moving just a little bit lower this morning. We're coming up to 501 on Wall Street. We check the markets every 15 minutes during the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures are down three points. Staff futures down 59. NASDAQ futures are lower by 25 points. The 10-year Treasury is down 430 seconds. The yield 3.62%. Yield on the two-year, 4.33%. NYMEX crudes down two-tenths percent at $80.40 a barrel. Amy? Nathan, we begin with market-moving remarks from Jay Powell. The Fed chair is signaling the central bank will back off its aggressive pace of interest rate hikes as soon as this month. The time for moderating the pace of rate increases may come as soon as the December meeting. Given our our progress in tightening policy, the timing of that moderation is far less significant than the questions of how much further we will need to raise rates to control inflation. Powell's remarks solidified bets the Fed will downshift to a 50 basis point rate hike on December 14th after delivering four straight 75 basis point moves. Well, the equity market surged on Powell's comments, Amy. The S&P 500 rallied more than 3% to close at a two-month high. The Nasdaq 100 jumped 4.4%. And with the Dow's 737-point advance, that index is now up 20% from its September low, meeting the definition now of a bull market. Subhadra Rajat head of U.S. rate strategy with Societe Generale. I think if you have a picture where inflation is starting to moderate, then they might be willing to kind of be patient, keep rates steady for the remainder of next year, uh, and then start to orchestrate a soft landing. Sakjan Sabadra Rajapa expects rates to remain elevated not only next year, but also into 2024. And, Nathan, we saw the Wall Street rally spill into markets overseas. Stocks in Europe are up about half a percent. Equities in Asia advanced overnight, extending gains after their best monthly rally in 24 years. Let's get the recap from Bloomberg's Juliet Sally in Singapore. Good morning, Juliet. 
Good morning, Nathan and Amy. After capping a 15% gain in November, the MSCI Asia-Pacific Index jumped as much as 2.5% Thursday to an August high and is inching closer towards a bull market. Gauges in China, Hong Kong and Taiwan led gains after a top Chinese official said efforts to combat the virus are entering a new phase with the Omicron variant weakening and vaccination rates rising. Meanwhile, Beijing eased some restrictions, lifting the yuan, and the yen traded at a three-month high. In Singapore, Juliet Sali, Bloomberg Daybreak. Juliet, thanks. COVID policies remain front and center in China. We're seeing more signs Beijing may be willing to soften its stance on virus restrictions. Bloomberg Executive Editor Paul Dobson has more from our Singapore Bureau. Today, we learned that in Beijing, some people may be allowed to quarantine at home instead of going to quarantine camps, which is obviously good news because people would much rather be in the comfort of their own homes, given the choice a lot of the time. Um, and, and it might give them a little bit more confidence to go out and about when, when COVID isn't around. Incrementally, that's good news, but directionally, that's very good news because, you know, the market is waiting for uh, China to take these decisive steps, you know, the, the vaccinations that are needed for the elderly, the, the increase in hospital beds, to be able to start that process of opening up, which the rest of the world is already, you know, way ahead of. Bloomberg's Paul Dobson says it's been three years since the world's first documented coronavirus patient emerged in China. Back here in the U.S., we are hearing public comments from Sam Bankman-Fried for the first time. The disgraced founder and CEO of the bankrupt FTX crypto empire is denying fraud while admitting to grievous errors in management. Whatever happened, whatever it happened, I had a duty. I had a duty to all of our stakeholders, to our customers, uh, our creditors. I had a duty to our employees, to our investors, and, and to the regulators of the world uh, to do right by them, to make sure the right things happened to the company. And I... Uh, Clearly, I didn't do a good job of that. I was shocked by what happened this month. Sam Bankman-Fried made the comments by video link at the New York Times Dealbook Summit. There are still unanswered questions about how FTX ended up with an $8 billion hole in its balance sheet and whether it mishandled customer funds. Well, meantime, Amy, a standoff between two of the most powerful tech leaders in the world appears to be easing. Let's get the details live with Bloomberg's Steve Rappaport. Good morning, Steve. Good morning, Nathan and Amy. Elon Musk is burying the hatchet with Apple CEO Tim Cook, saying the tiff between the tech giants was a misunderstanding that has been resolved. The Twitter boss claimed without explanation that Apple threatened to block the platform from its app store, but yesterday Musk confirmed he spoke with Cook and says Cook assured him Apple never even considered doing so. A number of businesses paused advertising on Twitter because of concerns about Musk's approach to moderating content. Live in New York, I'm Steve Rappaport, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, thank you, Steve. And let's get the latest now on efforts to avert a crippling freight rail strike. The House has passed legislation to block the strike, sending it to the Senate, which could take action as soon as this week. The House also passed a related bill that would add seven days of paid sick leave to the rail contract. Bloomberg's Joe Matthews spoke about that with Art Wheaton, Director of Labor Studies at Cornell University's School of Industrial and Labor Relations. I agree that the workers deserve the seven days off, but they need to get enough votes in the Senate for it to pass, otherwise we have a strike. I would guess they're not going to add the seven days in the Senate. Art Wheaton is Director of Labor Studies at Cornell University and was a guest on Sound On, heard weekdays at 5 p.m. Wall Street time here on Bloomberg Radio. Finally, Amy, as inflation pressures remain high, a new survey says New York and Singapore are the most expensive cities to live in. The report comes from the Economist Intelligence Unit. Tel Aviv, Hong Kong, and Los Angeles round out the top five. 
The survey says the cost of living in the world's largest cities rose more than 8% over the past year. After yesterday's big gains, futures are moving just a little lower. S&P futures now down three points, Dow futures down 54, and NASDAQ futures are lower by 22 points. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines and a check of sports. This is Bloomberg. Thank you, Nathan. 507 on Wall Street. Let's bring in Michael Barr with more on what else is going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Amy. New York's MTA may boost fares on subways, buses, and commuter rail lines by 5.5% next year. It is the first time the transit provider has implemented such a hike since 2019. The MTA faces a potential $3 billion budget deficit in 2025 as weekday ridership has plateaued to about 60% of pre-pandemic levels. The MTA tends to increase fares by 4% every two years, but Governor Kathy Hochul postponed those hikes during the pandemic. The House Ways and Means Committee will get to look through Donald Trump's tax returns. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has the story. The IRS says it has complied with the Supreme Court in making the returns available, did not confirm whether members of the panel have accessed them. The committee reportedly will meet today to decide what to do with the returns. This has been a long journey as the committee has been seeking the documents since 2019. Trump had repeatedly said during the campaign that he would make the returns public, but then fought all the way to the Supreme Court. The committee has argued it needs to see the returns to draft legislation on presidential compliance, with tax law. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. A U.S. appeals court rejects the Biden administration's request to reinstate the student debt relief plan. President Biden announced in August that the government would forgive up to $10,000 in student loan debt for borrowers making less than $125,000 a year. About 26 million Americans have applied for student loan forgiveness. Loyola Law University professor Lori Levinson. These loans are supposed to be repaid starting in January. And unless a court upholds the Biden plan, then these people who thought they would have their loans forgiven will have to start paying. Loyola Law University professor Lori Levinson says the next stop is likely the Supreme Court. The New York grid operator warned that electricity supplies will be tight as early as 2023 as demand grows and old generators shut down, increasing the risk of blackouts. The New York Independent System Operator says the availability of power supplies will thin over the next decade as more power plants fueled by natural gas shut down and demand grows for electric vehicles and home heating. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg Amy. All right. Thank you, Michael. Time now for the Sports Report, brought to you by Tri-State Audi. Here's John Stashauer. Thanks, Amy. The Knicks won their first three home games this season. Since then, at the Garden, they've gone one and six. Beaten by the Bucks, 113-107. Too much Giannis Antetokounmpo, 37 points. R.J. Barrett led the Knicks with 26. Julius Randle shot only 8 of 24. Jalen Brunson was 8 of 22. Together, they were 1 of 12 on three-pointers. The Nets in Brooklyn beat Washington, 113-107. That's three straight wins to move over 500. Kevin Durant having a sensational season, averaging 30 per game, shooting 55%. He scored 39. Kyrie Irving added 27. Rangers in Ottawa had the lead, looking for more. The Rangers control the draw, send it back up with Jad Up the middle, leaves it back into the far wing for Vesey. Spins to his forehand, then backhands it behind the net to Zibanejad. 
Sabanajet slings it to the near point, and Lindgren with a shot, and they score! Kreider was in front, I think he deflected it, and the Rangers take a 3-1 lead. ESPN New York call, it was Kreider, his 11th goal at 52 last year. Rangers beat the Senators 3-1. College Hibs, Rutgers lost at Miami 68-61 in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. The two conferences split six games Tuesday and split six more last night. Australia, Argentina, Poland all earned their way into the World Cup knockout round. France had already clinched four more spots up for grabs today in Qatar. The Giants will have a visitor at their facility today. Odell Beckham Jr., the ex-Giant, has not played this season, but now said to have recovered from the torn ACL suffered in the Super Bowl while he was with the Rams. The Cowboys also very much interested in signing OBJ. The game tonight, Buffalo at New England. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports, Amy. All right, thank you, John. Checking futures now, S&P futures down four, Dow futures down 58 points. NASDAQ futures down 25, 10-year Treasury down 2.30 seconds, the yield at 3.6%. Much more still to come on this Thursday morning edition of Bloomberg Daybreak. This is Bloomberg. The Bloomberg Sports Report was brought to you by Audi. Don't let someone else drive off in the Audi model you've always wanted. Visit your local Tri-State Audi dealer to get behind the wheel of yours today or visit AudiOffers.com for more information. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. Nathan Hager, global stocks are climbing. The dollar is slipping to a three-month low as fresh signs emerge of a softening in China's COVID stance. And Fed Chair Jay Powell confirms the pace of interest rate hikes may be set to slow. We check the markets every 15 minutes during the trading day on Bloomberg. Right now, futures in the U.S. are moving lower. S&P futures are down two points. Dow futures down 48 NASDAQ futures are down 19 points. The DAX in Germany is higher, though, by uh, four-tenths percent. CAC in Paris, little change now to the upside. Ten-year Treasury is down 3.30 seconds. The yield 3.61%. Yield on the two-year, 4.33%. NYMEX crudes up a quarter percent, up 20 cents at $80.75 a barrel. COMEX gold moving higher, up 1.9%, up $32.70. 1792.60 gets you an ounce of gold. The euro, 1.0447 against the dollar. British pound, 1.2146. The yen is at 136 8.30 Wall Street time. We get initial jobless claims and the PCE core deflator at 10 a.m. Uh, ISM manufacturing data. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Thank you very much, Nathan. A House committee can now get a look at six years of Donald Trump's tax returns. It comes a week after the Supreme Court cleared the way for their release. More Chinese cities are easing some antivirus restrictions as police patrol their streets to head off protests. Last weekend, protesters in Shanghai, Beijing, and other cities demanded an end to controls that confine millions of people to their homes. In the NBA, the Knicks lost. The Nets beat the Wizards 113-107. The Celtics won. In the NHL, the Rangers won. At the World Cup, four games today, including Germany against Costa Rica. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg Gaming. All right. Thank you, Michael. It's 519 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. We're joined now by Chief Market Analyst Michael Houston at CMC Markets. Michael, good morning to you. Uh, we're talking about Fed Chair Powell. He signaled a rate hike slowdown yesterday during his speech. What does that mean for equity markets? Well, 
Yeah, good morning, Amy. Um, I think we sort of saw the consequences of that statement yesterday in the context of a slide in 10-year yields as well as two-year yields, but also a spike higher in equity markets. And I think it's really confirmation of what the market was already thinking, that the Federal Reserve was likely to hike by 50 basis points in December. That's pretty much priced in. But I think what's notable now, it's not really about what comes in December, it's what comes after that. And I think some of the data that we saw yesterday would appear to suggest that the Federal Reserve is probably going to start getting a little bit concerned about pushing too hard on raising rates much more aggressively than they have been. So for me, it's not about what comes in December. 50 basis points is pretty much nailed on. Mm. It's what comes after that. And I think that, more than anything, is likely to be the key focus for the Fed meeting in just under two weeks' time, what comes in next year with respect to future rate hikes. The past couple of months have seen a rally. Do you see this as a bear market rally? Yeah, I'm on the fence on that at the moment. Mm. I think largely because of the fact that we're heading into the December period, which generally tends to be a fairly um, low liquidity time of year. You've either made your money for the year or you've lost your money for the year and you don't want to lose any more. So it's going to take something really substantive, I think, to really drive stock markets lower from where they are at the moment. I think for now, the markets are in a holding pattern ahead of these central bank meetings in two weeks' time. Not only have we got the Federal Reserve, we've got the European Central Bank, we've got the Bank of England. And the prevailing narrative at the moment is that inflation has potentially peaked. And the bigger question now is how quickly does it come down and how long do rates stay at their current levels or go higher? So what are you watching for with respect to that? I love it when you anticipate my next question, whether inflation has peaked and the sort of timeline that we're looking at there. I think inflation has peaked. I think the bigger question that markets are asking now is how quickly does it come down? And for me, I think we're near the top of the rate hiking cycle. I think the Fed will struggle to raise rates by more than another 50 basis points over and above what they're going to do in December, given the weakness that we're seeing not only in the U.S. economy in terms of the manufacturing data, but more broadly in Europe as well. So going ahead, I think we'll know more next year, and I think we could see some early equity market weakness in January or February next year. Between now and Christmas, I think there's potential for us to move a little bit higher before we have another test of the downside in 2023. Let's dig down a little bit on that. Where do you see those weak spots in the U.S. data? Well, manufacturing yesterday, I mean, that Chicago PMI number was pretty poor. I'll be interested to see whether or not the ISM manufacturing numbers later today bear that out, particularly on the prices paid component, which has hit its lowest levels since mid-2020. So that's where I will be paying particular attention to. Services is holding up fairly well. We saw that in the ADP numbers on Wednesday. It'll be interesting to see whether or not non-farm payrolls also replicate that trend when they're released on Friday. Shifting gears just a little bit, we only have about a minute here, but how is China a factor in all of this? It's a factor in so much that if they're fully locked down, they're obviously not adding to the overall um, economic output of the global economy. If they're slowly starting to move to a gradual reopening, 
what that does is it makes it uh, much less likely that the global economy will fall off a cliff in 2023. So a gradual reopening is probably the best outlook going forward. If they open very, very quickly, there is a risk that could cause an inflationary spike when it comes to energy prices. We don't want that. So gradual reopening on the back of slowly easing COVID restrictions is probably the best case scenario for China. All right. Thank you so much, Michael, for taking time with us on this Thursday morning, especially the day after Fed Chair Powell made those comments yesterday at the Brookings Institution. We appreciate you taking the time with us. Chief Market Analyst Michael Hewson at CMC Markets. Checking the markets, S&P futures down two points, Dow futures down 51, NASDAQ futures down 21 points. The 10-year Treasury down two thirty seconds, the yield at 3.61%, two-year yield now at 4.32%. And Brent crude now trading six-tenths of a percent higher, that's 56 cents at $87.53 per barrel. Much more to come on Bloomberg Daybreak. This is Bloomberg. The Bloomberg 11.30 forecast, sunny and breezy, going up to 45 degrees with more sun tomorrow, a little milder, going up to 50. Showers return for your weekend on Saturday, going up to 60 degrees. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130 to Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991 to Boston. Bloomberg 1061 to San Francisco. Bloomberg 960 to the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe, the Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. It's 5.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. I'm Amy Morris. Bloomberg Daybreak is brought to you by SEI. Built on advanced technologies and 50 years of innovation, SEI offers asset managers a comprehensive and flexible operations outsourcing platform. Go to SEIC.com slash managers. We're about four hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Let's get you up to date on the news you need to know at this hour, starting with the Fed. Chair Jay Powell is signaling the central bank will ease its aggressive pace of raising interest rates as soon as this month. The time for moderating the pace of rate increases may come as soon as the December meeting. Given our our progress in tightening policy, the timing of that moderation is far less significant. And Jay Powell's remarks indicate the Fed is likely to shift to a 50 basis point hike at its next decision. Equity markets advanced sharply on Powell's comments. David Cutler, founder of Mainstay Capital Management, says the more dovish tone was appropriate for current economic conditions. I think it's a recognition, too, of looking at the data. PMIs are in contraction territory, pending home sales down 35% year over year, and we haven't felt the full impact of these rate hikes we've had. David Kudla with Mainstay Capital Management believes Powell's comments also indicate he's mindful of the Fed going too far with rate hikes. Well, the S&P 500 closed 3% higher after Powell's remarks, Amy, and the rally extended overseas. Stocks in Europe and Asia advanced. In China, there's also optimism on COVID, with authorities there downplaying the severity of the virus. China's COVID czar now says the country's in a new phase of the pandemic. Back in the U.S., Nathan, disgraced FTX founder Sam Bankman-Fried spoke publicly yesterday denying fraud while admitting to management errors. I had a duty to all of our stakeholders, to our customers, our creditors. I had a duty to our employees, to our investors, to the regulators in the world to do right by them, to make sure the right things happened at the company. And I didn't do a good job of that. 
Sam Bankman-Fried spoke at the New York Times Deal Book Summit. It's a big tech now, Amy, where a standoff between two powerful CEOs appears to be easing. Bloomberg's Steve Rappaport joins us live with the story. Good morning, Steve. Good morning, Nathan and Amy. It was all a misunderstanding. That's how Elon Musk described his tiff with Apple CEO Tim Cook. The Twitter chief accused the platform of threatening to boot Apple uh, Twitter from its app store. But on Wednesday, Musk said the tech bosses spoke. And the matter has been resolved, with Cook reassuring him that Apple never intended to cut ties with Twitter. Live in New York, I'm Steve Rappaport, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Steve, thank you. In a political note this morning, the House has passed legislation to block a freight rail strike. The bill now goes to the Senate, which could take action as soon as this week. Futures are moving a little lower this morning. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines and a check of sports. This is Bloomberg. Thank you, Nathan. It's 5.33 on Wall Street. Let's bring in Michael Barr with more on what else is going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Amy. Fares may rise next year for New York MTA riders. Fares on subways, buses, and commuter rail lines could go up by 5.5% next year. The potential increase would push the 275 cost of a single subway or bus ride to 290 next year and $3.05 in 2025. It comes as the agency is seeking additional federal, state, or city funding to help fill budget deficits. The Biden administration's student loan forgiveness plan remains on hold. The Fifth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals denied a request from the federal government to temporarily reverse a lower court order that blocked rollout of the plan. Loyola Law University professor Lori Levinson says the next stop is likely the Supreme Court. The Fifth Circuit dealt a blow to President Biden's plan to have a loan forgiveness program for student loans. But the courts have been saying that, in fact, Biden did not have the power to move forward on this. Loyola Law University professor Lori Levinson. The Treasury Department turned over six years of Donald Trump's tax returns to a House committee after the Supreme Court cleared the way for the release. The Ways and Means Committee has been seeking the return, saying it needs them to consider potential legislation on presidential compliance with tax rules, public accountability, and mandatory IRS audit policy for presidents. The Rockefeller Center Christmas tree was officially lit up last night in New York City. Fifty thousand LED lights are on the eighty-two foot tall Norway spruce in Midtown Manhattan. Christine McVie has died. McVie sang lead on many of Fleetwood Mac's biggest hits like Little Lies. McVie wrote many of the group's songs. Christine McVie was seventy-nine. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Amy. All right. Thank you, Michael. Time now for the Sports Report, brought to you by Tri-State Audi. Here's John Stashauer. All right, Amy. Knicks continue to have their struggles at home. Just one win at the Garden in the past month. Beaten by Milwaukee, 109-103. Giannis Antetokounmpo led the Bucks with 37 points. Kevin Durant led the Nets with 39. They beat Washington at Barclays, 113-107. The Nets, with three straight wins, move over 500. The Rangers had lost their last three, but in Ottawa, a goal in each period, all three assisted by Ryan Lindgren. Rangers beat the Senators 3-1 with backup. Yaroslav Halak in goal, his first win as a Ranger. Longtime Pittsburgh Penguins all-star defenseman Chris Letang just suffered a stroke for the second time. Also happened back in 2014 when he made 
missed two months, and the tag is expected to return at some point. The NFL game tonight, Buffalo at New England. It's a game the Jets will have an interest in. The AFC East has the Bills and Dolphins atop at 8-3. and three. The Jets are 7-4. and four. The Patriots are 6-5. and five. The Jets on Sunday visit the 9-2 and two Vikings. Jets coach Rob Salah. Yeah, there's a reason why they're... Uh, the record they have, they've beaten everybody in our division. Um, they beat Miami, they beat Buffalo, they beat New England. They're they're very talented. Um, offensively, they've got skilled players. They're very well coached. Um, defensively, they're very veteran, uh, very smart. They play a smart style of football. So um, it's going to be a challenge. And a big one for the Giants Sunday. Washington comes in having won six of the last seven. Giants just lost twice. In a six-day span. ESPN reports the Yankees' offer to Aaron Judge is eight years, $300 million, about $65 million more than what they offered to Judge last spring. It's believed Judge will either stay in New York or sign with San Francisco. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports Team. All right, thank you, John. It's 537 on Wall Street. Time now for the Tri-State Business Report. Here with that is Bloomberg's Joan Doniger. New York and Singapore are tied now for the top spot on a list of the world's most expensive cities. The Economist Intelligence Unit's worldwide cost of living report says it got more than 8% more expensive in the past year, in part because of the supply chain snarls and Russia's war in Ukraine. The National Labor Relations Board says the way Amazon responded to a federal judge's order made a mockery of it. The judge had barred Amazon from firing workers at JFK 8, the Staten Island Fulfillment Center that first unionized for union activity. The judge ordered Amazon to read out a public notice about that. Within a week, the Labor Board isn't happy with how it did that. And the owner of a New Jersey shopping mall could face foreclosure. It has not landed new financing for a $300 million mortgage that came due this month. Bridgewater Commons in Somerset County is owned by a joint venture of the New York State Teachers Retirement System and J.P. Morgan Chase's asset management arm. That's the Bloomberg Tri-State Business Report. I'm Joan Doniger. All right, thank you, Joan. 538 now on Wall Street. Bloomberg Radio is on the air from San Francisco to New York, London to Hong Kong. Let's check in with our local global news team for some of the top stories heard on our 300 affiliate radio stations around the world. I'm Steve Podisk on WFLA Tampa Bay. We're talking about how some of the fastest-growing apartment rents just about anywhere may have finally plateaued in the region. I'm Courtney Donahoe on KRLD in Dallas. Southwest Airlines Wi-Fi upgrades have been slowed by supply chain delays. I'm Gina Cervetti, and for WCCO in Minneapolis, I'm talking about some encouraging news for apartment renters with rents down 1.6% in November from the month before. I'm Jeff Bellinger. And on WLW in Cincinnati, I'll have Cincinnati-based Kroger's quarterly results soon after they're released this morning. I'm Joan Doniger telling WWJ listeners in Detroit about how a faulty battery under recall in a Ford Expedition may have started the fire among Secret Service rental cars. Those are some of the stories our 2,700 Bloomberg journalists and analysts are working on this morning around the world. It's 539 on Wall Street. The following is an editorial from Bloomberg Opinion. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. By the very nature of their jobs, members of Congress have no business trading stocks. They may have access to privileged information, or they may know of pending legislation that could affect an industry's bottom line. Even if their portfolios simply fluctuate along with the market, there's no escaping the appearance of a conflict of interest. Polling on this issue is clear. A majority of voters from both parties support banning congressional stock trading. Bipartisan bills for doing so have been circulating for months. Now, with just weeks left in the current session, 
members of Congress should take action. At the very least, a requirement to put any investment assets in a blind trust for the duration of their time in office should be a no-brainer. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. For more Bloomberg Opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com slash opinion or OPIN Go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion. Bloomberg Opinion editorials can be heard every weekday at this time, and Terminal customers can read more at OPIN Go. S&P futures down one point, Dow futures down 43, NASDAQ futures down 21. Much more still to come on this Thursday morning. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak on Bloomberg. The Bloomberg Sports Report was brought to you by Audi. Don't let someone else drive off in the Audi model you've always wanted. Visit your local tri-state Audi dealer to get behind the wheel of yours today or visit AudiOffers.com for more information. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. I'm Nathan Hager. Futures are giving back some of yesterday's surge following signs emerging of a softening in China's COVID stance and remarks from Fed Chair Jay Powell confirming the pace of interest rate hikes is set to slow. We check the markets every 15 minutes during the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures right now are down two points. Dow futures down 50. NASDAQ futures are lower by 25 points. Ten-year Treasury is down 230 seconds, yield 3.61%. Yield on the two-year, 4.32%. NYMEX crude is up six tenths percent or 49 cents at $81.04 a barrel. COMEX gold is up 1.8 percent of 31.10, 17.91 even an ounce. The euro 1.0428 against the dollar. British pound 1.2146. The yen 136.46. Bitcoin is little changed at 17,100. That's a Bloomberg business flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world, Michael. Thank you very much, Nathan. The House voted to block a strike by the nation's railway workers in a separate vote, also adding seven days of paid sick leave to the agreement. Both bills now head to the Senate in the hopes of averting a strike that could cripple the economy. President Joe Biden is set to welcome French President Emmanuel Macron to the White House today. The visit will conclude with the first state dinner of the Biden administration. In the NBA, the Knicks lost. The Nets beat the Wizards. The Celtics won. In the NHL, the Rangers won. At the World Cup, four games today, including Germany against Costa Rica. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Amy. All right. Thank you, Michael. It is 549 on Wall Street. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak. Fed Chair Jay Powell signaled the Federal Reserve will slow the pace of interest rate increases next month. While stressing borrowing costs will need to keep rising and remain restrictive for some time to beat inflation, we're joined now by Jennifer Lee, Senior Economist at BMO Capital Markets. Jennifer, thank you for taking the time with us this morning, and a good morning to you. What's your takeaway from Powell's speech? Oh, good morning. Uh, Thank you for having me on. So, um, first of all, I would like to say holy market reaction yesterday. It was was quite amazing uh, seeing the market react to his comments, but... Um, it's, it was a lot of, a little bit of old and a little bit of new, and I think what was new was almost like the, the, it was almost like forward guidance, just saying that it would come as soon as the December meeting, this, this moderation rate increases. And that sort of confirmed to us what we've been thinking. We've been calling for 50 beeps, um, you know, finally an end to the 75 basis point increases. So this was pretty much, you know, cemented that view, and, uh, I don't think he could get any clearer than that. 
You mentioned the market reaction. I want to get your take on that. So it was, uh, I mean, watching, you know, 10-year yields uh, fall so quickly and, of course, uh, the stock market reaction. But this is, you know, obviously encouraging news, the fact that, you know, the uh, all that uh, uh, front-loading, the four seventy-five basis point rate hikes in a row, um, is finally going to cool off. I mean, but again, at the same time, we have to remember this doesn't mean that they the rates are going to be coming down anytime soon. They're just not going to be rising at such a quick pace. And I think... You know, any good news these days will be will be taken and seized by 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 the markets, and we saw that yesterday in playing out in spades. Were you surprised? Was he more dovish than you expected? Um, not really. Um, you know, I mean, I guess the one, if you want to call it dovish, comment would be, um, and this was to me a little bit of met with a bit of relief, is when he said that it wouldn't be appropriate to what did he say, crash the economy and clean up afterwards. And this comes after, you know, a, a number of occasions when he used the word pain to describe what the economy is going to be feeling. And, you know, and, and it gave me, at least me, the view that he would be okay with sending the economy into recession. But having, you know, hearing him say that, you know, he wouldn't be um, keen on crashing the economy, maybe that's an extreme measure that he was using, was to me a little bit sense of relief. And that was what was new. Um, but everything else, you know, he was still saying that, they will need substantially more evidence about inflation. You know, you can't just use October's CPI report as as the be all and end all. He's got to need a lot more to give confirmation that inflation is declining, and that you know that rates are going to be staying high for some time. And uh, uh, and you know there there is going to be a lot of uncertainty still for inflation ahead. So it's still hawkish, but not as hawkish as he once was. Got about a minute and a half here. Jennifer, we have more data coming out. The jobs report tomorrow, CPI on the 13th. How crucial are those reports for the Fed? I think they are crucial. Um, I don't think they're going to change the December uh, view now, you know, the the, the, the mainstream view now that it is going to be a 50 basis point rate hike. Um, you know, unless, of course, there's some massive increase in CPI, which we're not, I don't think we're expecting. So, you know, what we want to see is continued moderation in, in, in the numbers, and this is the era which, you know, I'm trying to wrap my head around is that, you know, good is bad and, and bad is good. And, you know, normally we would like to see, I, most of us would like to see good economic data and, you know, positive news in the economy, but that, of course, would mean uh, higher for longer, I guess. So, you know, we would be okay with seeing some weaker jolts data, some weaker payroll growth, you know, some weaker personal spending later on this morning, and that would be, I think, good news for the economy and good news for for the Fed. All right. Thank you so much, Jennifer, for taking the time with us this morning, breaking it all down. Senior economist Jennifer Lee at BMO Capital Markets. Nathan. Thanks, Amy. We're coming up to 5.53 on Wall Street. It's time now for the Bloomberg Law Report. Let's get to the legal stories we're watching this morning. Here's Bloomberg's Jeff Ballinger. Government Accountability Office says the Internal Revenue Service should strengthen its oversight of paid tax preparers. A federal circuit ruled that withholding wages from federal workers who are required to work during a government shutdown does not violate timely pay laws. The Silicon Valley law firm Cooley says it must adjust to slowing demand for services. The firm has fired 150 attorneys and staff. Bloomberg Law. Everything you need on one legal research platform. Guidance, analysis, and Bloomberg Market Intelligence. Find out more at BloombergLaw.com.
Now another legal story we're watching. The public's opinion of the Supreme Court reached uh, historic lows after the decision to reverse the constitutional right to abortion in the Dobbs case. But a new Marquette Law School poll shows a slight rebound in public approval of the high court. This comes ahead of a term that could be just as controversial as the last, with decisions expected on affirmative action, voting rights, and gay rights. For more, Bloomberg's June Grosso speaks to constitutional law professor Michael Dorff of Cornell Law School. A new Marquette Law School poll finds only 44% of adults approve of the job the Supreme Court is doing, while 56% disapprove. But those approval numbers are actually up a bit from September, where 40% approved and 60% disapproved. What's happened between September and now to lead to a bit more approval of the court? Public opinion polling about the Supreme Court is notoriously weird because people don't have a lot of information about the Supreme Court. They often don't really understand the meaning of cases. If I had to guess, I would say that the decline in disapproval of the Supreme Court reflects the fact that more time has elapsed since the Dobbs opinion, which was the last very salient mention of the Supreme Court. It's also possible that it reflects views about affirmative action. Uh, Affirmative action has been unpopular for a couple of decades now, so that even blue states like Michigan and California a number of years ago forbade it by ballot initiative. So insofar as there was news reporting that the Supreme Court is considering making affirmative action unlawful, I could see how that would lead to a slight uptick in approval rating for the court. There's a great fear since the Dobbs decision that the super conservative majority on this court is going to lay waste to precedent in cases this term from, you know, affirmative action, the Voting Rights Act, giving state legislatures unprecedented power to upend federal elections. Do you think that people are right to be concerned? Yes. In each of the three cases you just identified, I think that it is not only possible but likely that they will reach very conservative results. I think they will forbid all or almost all race-based affirmative action. I think they will further constrain the Voting Rights Act. And I have somewhat less confidence, and therefore I'm a little bit more hopeful, with respect to what they're going to do in Moore against Harper, the case involving the so-called independent state legislature theory. But I know that based on what various of the conservative justices have said in other contexts, that they're at least sympathetic to some version of this idea that a state legislature can decide for itself how to allocate its electors in a presidential election, or as in this particular case is involved, gets the final say over the drawing of district lines, notwithstanding the intervention of a state Supreme Court based on the state constitution. And that's Professor Michael Dorff of Cornell Law School speaking with Bloomberg's June Grosso. You can catch more of that interview plus analysis of the latest legal news by subscribing to the Bloomberg Law Podcast or downloading the show at Bloomberg.com slash podcasts. And attorneys can find exceptional legal research and business development tools at BloombergLaw.com and on the Bloomberg Terminal at BlawGo. Futures uh, pointing a little bit lower now. S&P futures are down four points. Dow futures down 64. NASDAQ futures are lower by 31 points. The 10-year Treasury is down one thirty-second. 
The yield, 3.61%. Yield on the two-year, 4.32%. NYMEX crudes up six-tenths percent or 51 cents at $81.05 a barrel. COMEX gold up 1.7%, up $30.50, 17.9040 for an ounce of gold. The euro, 1.0420 against the dollar. The yen is at 136.46. Bloomberg Daybreak continues. This is Bloomberg. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.